Hallelujah. Over the last four weeks, give me just a little monitor up here, Brother Kyle, if you don't mind. We've had two weddings here, Derek and Beth, Caleb and Abby, and in those weddings, we got to the part about the vows and the commitment. We talked about covenant with one another. I shared with you in really both of those ceremonies that as our relationship with each other, we can look at it from the same point as our relationship with God, we're in a covenant relationship with the Lord. You say, well, how do you say that, Pastor? Blood was shed. In Old Testament times, when covenants was made, many times, Brother Joe, blood was shed. One instance, the kings would, have a, would cut their thumbs and they'd have a scar on their thumb. And that would let everybody else know that they were in a covenant commitment with another tribe or another group. We don't do that today. We talk a lot of times about blood brothers where you cut your wrist or you cut your palm and you put your palms together and the blood mingles. We're blood brothers, so to speak. Some of y'all probably done that as kids with your fingers or your thumbs or hands or something like that. But in our relationship with the Lord, there were blood that was blood that was shed. That was the blood of Jesus Christ. He was in it for everything. The question I have for us today, are we in it as well? Are we in it for everything? I fear sometimes we continue the habit of coming to church. We continue the habit of doing those churchy things, but where is our heart? Where's our heart? Am I going after God the way God goes after me? Do I go after God the way that he wants me to? I wrestle with it. I ask myself that often. God, am I doing everything I need to do? Is my motives where it needs to be? Am I trusting you like I need to trust you? Am I following you the way I need to follow you? Am I doing anything that's outside of your order? We thank God for the cross, as we've just sang earlier. We thank God for the blood. We thank God for all of these things. But is my heart where it needs to be? Is my heart where it needs to be? Won't you look over to your neighbor and say, say this to him? God can use all kinds of people. He can even use you. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, while you're standing, I want you to listen to this verse here. Verse 6 says, For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Verse 7 says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. May be of God and not of us. Father, I ask you today that you would help me. 
Help us, O oh God, to say what we need to say. Help our hearts to receive what we need to receive today. If there is anybody here in this house today that needs you as Lord and Savior, may they find you before they leave this service today. I ask, Father, that you would open our hearts, you'd open our thoughts, you'd open our minds to receive your word. Help us to get it. Help us to understand that we are your creation. Lord, we are able to be used by you. Help us, oh God, to get an understanding today that it's not by might and it's not by power, but it's by your Spirit that we're able to go and do the things that you've called us to do. Bring us up a little higher. Stretch us a little more. Give us more vision, God. Help us to see people the way you see them. Help us to love more than what we do today. Love our fellow man. Love our neighbor. Love the drug addict and the alcoholic, the prostitute. Help us to find those in need, oh God, and share with them the good news of Jesus Christ. Heal our bodies today. Set us free. Heal our minds today and set us free. And we'll give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You may be seated today. Thank you so much. Hallelujah. In this 2 Corinthians, and many of you have remembered this chapter very well, a lot of times we remember more so the verse 8 and on from there where it says that we are hard-pressed on every side, those situations, but we're not crushed and all of that that goes along with that. But 2 Corinthians here in this chapter 4 contains truth that we need to hear. Matter of fact, this section that we're looking at explains the process by which God releases his power among his people. Now, I don't know about you, but we are living in a day and time where we need the power of God to be released in our hearts every day, right? We need the power of God. Earlier in this book here in 2 Corinthians, Paul gave us a description of his ministry. And he talked about battling against the God of this age. He talked about the God of this age who is aggressively blinding the eyes of believers of the truth. And then they're no longer believers, but they are unbelievers. I've come to tell you we're living in such a day right now where we are still battling the God of this age. The God of this age, the enemy, the Satan, is aggressively blinding our eyes today. That's why I was talking to you earlier about are we where we need to be with God? Is our heart where it needs to be? Is our relationship with God where it needs to be? 
I've done several, many hours of marital counseling and, and people that comes in and they'll tell me I don't love him or I don't love her or something is not right in our relationship and we try to get back to the place where you felt like you left that love or that has lost in between or that division has come. But in our relationship with God, what I'm afraid of so many times that, that if we're not careful, we allow the God of this age to blind us day by day, step by step, precept upon precept till we wake up one day and say, I don't know that I really need to go to church today. I don't know that I really need the God that we serve today. I'm feeling like I'm doing all right the way that I am. And Paul here was addressing this very topic in this book where, where he, was, he was coming against and he was battling this God of this age. But can I tell you today, there is a gospel light that shines so much brighter than any darkness the enemy could ever bring upon you if we'll just allow it to shine upon us. It's the light of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says, for it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness. And if you used to be honest with yourself, every one of us has to say this, that he saved us from darkness. Amen. Amen. He's brought us into what the Bible called his marvelous light. It's a marvelous light. I want to focus today on three things. I've got three pots here in front of you, or vases, or, or containers, if you will. I want to first talk about the pots, which are going to represent us today. We want to talk about the power, which represents Jesus today. And then we'll talk about this mysterious process, or the paradox, if you will, of how God uses to release his power into the world. When you think about a pot or just a plain pot, when you think about that, our humanity is almost like an empty clay jar. When you look at the word for clay pots, it's called ostrakinos, which literally means earthenware. It's a word used to describe plain, ordinary, run-of-the-mill pots. And really, when you think about that, that's a good analogy of our lives. You say, well, Pastor, what are you talking about? I'm, I'm better than ordinary. I'm better just an old plain pot. Well, the Bible says in Genesis that when God formed us, he made us out of what? Dirt. Clay. Dirt of the ground. Clay of the ground. There are many references in the Bible that speak of God as the master potter. And we are the clay. Matter of fact, in Isaiah 64 and verse 8, the Bible says, we are the clay and you are the potter. We are the work of your hand. The problem that we get into many times as God's people, when God starts working on us, we don't like it. Now y'all gonna have to come alive this morning because you know I'm telling you the truth. I don't like it sometimes when God works on me. Sometimes God beats the lumps out of me. How about you? Sometimes God wants to fashion me and shape me into a vessel that I don't really like to become. He stretches me and he molds me. And would you believe it or not, Sister Bridget, every now and then God has to crush me again and remake me and remold me because I simply am not listening to the Father. Amen. 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 And so the Bible says that we're made out of dirt, the clay of the ground. We're the clay. You're the potter, Lord. I've heard the other day, I read this, where there's a new line of psychoanalysis in California. It's called psychoceramics. You know what that means? It deals with cracked pots. That's my message title. Cracked pots. Look at your neighbor. Are you, are you what he's talking about today? Here's the truth about it. Every one of us. Matter of fact, let me just have you raise your hand up. 
Now, every one of you, get your hand up now. I ain't gonna, I'm not going to trick you. Some of y'all think I'm going to trick you. Every one of us are flawed. We're all crackpots. Really. We're all messed up. We've all done some things that probably we're not proud of. We're, and it's like clay pots in the Old Testament. We're just baked and some of us are only half baked. Containers made out of mud. Say this out loud with me. I'm clay. But hey. That's all right. Let's say it one more time to make it rhyme. I'm clay. But hey. I'm okay. God can use clay pots. Jesus said in John 8, 32, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Here's the truth here. God didn't create you and he didn't create me to be a decoration, but to contain something valuable. Amen. He didn't create you just to sit out and look good. He didn't create you just to look all pretty and look all fine and look all glazed, but he created you to be a vessel meant for the master's use today. Amen. A pot, these three pots are, are vessels you see up here is, is designed to create and hold something, not to be an object of itself. I mean, think about it. Pots in your kitchen, cabinet, for instance, they wouldn't be worth a pot if you don't every now and then put something in it. You got to put some peas in it every now and then. You got to put some spaghetti in it every now and then. You got to put some beans in it, and then the pot becomes useful. It's not just to set up in your cabinet and look pretty. It's not just to set up there and when you got cabinets with glass doors on it, you need just to set up there where you can go by in the kitchen every day and say, oh, that's a beautiful pot. You say it all you want to, but every now and then put some beans in that thing and cook that pot. It's not really a pot until it holds something, amen. And our lives is the same way. Our lives is a contradiction until we understand the fact that God created you and I to contain something, amen. Three vessels. The first one here, over here. I brought this from our kitchen table. It's got some pretty flowers in it, but it's a clay vessel. It's been painted, it's been glazed, it's been put in the fire, but it's just a ceramic pot, really. But it's pretty to look at. If all the flowers was gone out of it, it would be nice to look at because it's just a pretty pot. It reminds me of some people who think they're doing God a favor just by being around. Yeah, this is going to be one of them kind of messages. Their display, their own talents, their own abilities is all that God needs. Come on, somebody. But God didn't create you to be a decoration. He created you to contain something important. The next pot that we find, this middle pot here, it's just, it's, it's just a clay pot as well. It's just a little plainer than the other. It's not been glazed or anything like that. If you used to take those bushes out of it, you'd just be a simple gray pot. But more or less, when you look at this pot, you don't necessarily see the pot. You see what's in the pot more so than you see the pot. It's holding something. And in this case, it's holding some kind of flower or a bush our attention isn't drawn to the pot but it's rather drawn to what it's displaying hold that in your mind this third pot now now don't somebody come up to me after church and say pastor that's not clay that's plastic I know it I couldn't find a clay one but that's plastic but it looks like a clay pot it looks like a ceramic pot and it don't have a crack in it but I want you to pretend it's got a crack in it everybody say crack I believe, say it, I believe that pot 
is cracked. Okay. This pot here is a crack pot. And I'll talk about that a little bit later on. But for now, let's think about these first two. God didn't create you to sit around and look nice and call attention to yourself. Now, I'm fixing to preach to somebody. Y'all just need to get it this morning. Instead, God created you and me to be plain pots. Now, think about it just a little bit. To contain something valuable. We sometimes think God doesn't need anything or anyone. But when you understand the truth, you realize that in one sense, God needs empty pots to fill up with his treasure. Some people's pots are already full. They're filled with all kinds of things. They're filled with themselves. They're filled with greed. They're filled with money. They're filled with success. And we fill our pots to overflowing with things that doesn't matter in a thousand years. God cannot fill a pot that's already full. Amen. Now that's deep right there. That ain't even mine, but it's deep. God can't fill a pot that's already full. God needs empty pots. There's a great story to illustrate this in, in 2 Kings chapter 4. One of Elisha's friends died, leaving a widow and two young sons. Y'all remember this story. The widow was penniless, and the creditors were coming to claim her two sons to be slaves. And Elisha asked her, what do you have in your house? And she said, all I've got is just a small amount of oil. And Elisha said, go round up all the empty vessels, all the empty jars that you can find. Don't just ask for a few, ask for a whole bunch of them. And then take all those empty pots and start pouring the oil into every one of those pots. And when one pot is full, set it aside and keep pouring oil into the next one and so forth and so on. And the widow filled up her house with empty clay jars. And she began pouring until every jar in the house was full to the brim and when the last jar was filled she told her son to go out and get more empty jars but the Bible says there was no other empty jars found in that neighborhood and it was at that moment understand this valuable point I ain't got time to preach right here Sister Mavis it was at that point that the oil stopped do you understand what I'm talking about do you understand what I'm trying to tell us today you better make yourself available for God or his oil will stop. You better open your life up to the Lord or his oil will stop. You think you got it? You ain't got nothing. God's got more to give you than what you ever will imagine. Open your life and open your top and open your pot for God to pour in the oil in your life. Amen. Hallelujah. She told Elijah about the miracle and this is what he said. Sell the oil and pay your debts. And live on what is left. I like to say there's a parable in every miracle and a miracle in every parable. Those empty clay jars represents you and I. And throughout the Old Testament, oil was a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And when we present ourselves to God as empty vessels, He can fill us up with Holy Spirit. I imagine that the widow wished after the fact that she had found more empty jars that she could just continue to pour the oil. And like that day when the oil filled all the clay jars, we live in a time when the eyes of the Lord run throughout the earth looking for people people who love him enough to offer their lives to him as an empty vessel so he can fill the empty vessel. Amen. Help me, Lord, right here. 
but we're too busy with our stuff. We're too busy fighting with one another. We're too busy wondering why ain't we got enough. We're too busy wondering why don't we have the bank account like my neighbor's got the bank account. We're too busy wondering why don't we have a car like my neighbor's got the car. We're too busy wondering about all that stuff when we forget about the fact that God owns the cattle of a thousand hills and he can supply every need in your life. Amen. Hallelujah. There's a power. There's a power. That plain pot, that's us. But then there's a precious power that Christ lives in me. He is this treasure that's in an earthen vessel. I'm the earthen vessel. He lives in me, Brother Richard. He lives in me every day that I get up. He lives in me. Every night that I lay my head down to rest, he lives in me. When I say my prayers, he lives in me. When I pray over my food, he lives in me. When I enjoy my family, he lives in me. When I enjoy being with you, he lives in me. Amen. It's a power. He lives in this old earthen vessel. This old earthen vessel gets tired sometimes. If you'd be honest with yourself, there's some of you tired from yesterday. I am too. Sometimes this old earthen vessel gets hurt. I get scratched, I get cut, I stump my toe just like you do. Sometimes I do stupid stuff, I hit my finger with a hammer. Miss the nail. We've done some stuff, stuff like this, Brother Sam, where we get our fingers caught in a saw even. You ever done that before? That's not real good. I don't like that. But we have this earthen vessel that we're living in. But I ain't talking about getting hurt from a, from a physical side. I'm talking about the power and this treasure that I have living on the inside of me. Amen. This treasure in jars of clay. When you look at this word, it's translated treasure. It's a word called th th thesaurus. It's just like the, th the, the thesaurus. Let me get my tongue right. That's in your library. Inside this thesaurus, I discover a literary and a verbal treasure. A whole bunch of words. You can take, can't tell a book by its cover, but you you can't tell a person by their appearance either. You may look the part. I need to stop right here and just slow down just a little bit. You may look the part, but do you have the goods? You may look like everybody else, but do you have what it takes on the inside here? This is what I understand. The plainest, most unlikely clay jar contain the priceless treasure of the life of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Here's another truth I can give you. I can never successfully imitate Jesus, but I can contain and display the life of him in me every day. I can strive every day to say, Lord, I want to be like you. I can't successfully do it because I'm not him, but I can strive to be like him. Christianity, we, we sometimes think this way, but let me, let, me, let me help you this morning. Christianity is not following a bunch of rules. It's not trying to imitate Jesus. Trying to imitate Jesus is performance-based religion, and it only produces misery. It only produces failure. I love it when people, and some, some people may still do it, that wear those WWJD braces. What would Jesus do? It's a reminder to continually ask themselves, what would Jesus do in this situation? And then the person wearing the bracelet tries 
wise to do what Jesus did. But the real question is simply this. It's only valid if you realize that you and I are human limitations. We have those human limitations involving in answering it. It only takes us so far. For instance, when you ask the question, what would Jesus do? You assume you know what Jesus would do in any given situation. And the truth about it is I'm not sure if you and I know what Jesus would do at any time. Because Jesus always had a way of surprising people everywhere he went. He didn't follow the status quo. He didn't answer things the way you and I would answer things. He's given you answers before where you thought, Lord, this is the most idiotic, craziest thing I've ever heard in my life. But I'm going to follow you and can't believe it. But God, you're absolutely right. And so what are we talking about? He had a way. Even if you knew what Jesus would do, what makes you think you could do? What Jesus can do. Any Jesus is in the house. <laughs> Ain't no Jesus is in the house today, right? Let me give you an example. One time Jesus was in a storm. And pretty much we all know what he done. He spoke to the wind. He spoke to the rain. And he said, peace, be still. So the next, so... So when you just look at that story, that, that simply means then for us the next time that we're in a thunderstorm. That you and I, we're supposed to walk out into the storm, lightning all around us, blowing like it's blowed the last few storms, and raise our hands and say, peace, be still. Now I'm not telling you not to do that because there have been some storms I'd like to have done that and it would have listened to me. But Brother Roger, i got a feeling if I walk out in that storm, and I, and I raise my hands and say, peace be still, all I'm going to get is wet or electrocuted. And maybe both. Because I don't have the power that Jesus has. What I'm trying to say, I can't imitate him, but I can do my best to be like him and contain the message and the love of the Lord in my life. Amen. And all I'm talking about is the Christian life is not imitating the Lord. It's containing the life of Jesus and allowing him to live his life in and through my body and through my personality. Maybe more than WWJD, maybe we need to get a bracelet that's made up that says WWJDIM, which means what will Jesus do in me? What will he do in me? Paul told us in 2 Corinthians, we always carry around the body. Carry around in our body the death of Jesus. So that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. Understand the focus can't be on the clay jar. It can't be on the vessels like I've got in front of you. It's got to always be on the treasure within the vessel. And the Apostle Paul called himself the chief of sinners. Yet he wrote the secret to effectiveness was simply this. It was Christ in you, the hope of glory. Hallelujah. It's Christ in you. Christ in you. This second pot that I was telling you about contains these fern-looking flowers or something like that. We look at it and we may get an enjoyment out of it. God made me to contain and display the wonderful life, the wonderful, glorious life of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I don't know about you, but I enjoy talking to people about the Lord. And people talk about the goodness of the Lord. 
I can go into Walmart and some people will talk about the goodness of God. I can go into Walmart and someone will say, Pastor, come over here, let me share with you what God done for me last week. Sometimes I'll go in there and say, would you pray with me about this particular situation? The next time I'll go in there, I've had him to stop and say, hey, you remember what I told you to pray with me last week? God answered my prayer. And it just, it just, it just it's a joy to hear those things. It's a wonderful experience to understand the fact that Jesus cares and knows about our situations and he's there to meet our need, amen. So we have a hope in Christ. We have this, this power in Christ. But then this paradox that I'm talking about. Do you understand God delights in using imperfect vessels? God delights in using imperfect vessels. When you look in the Bible, the Bible gives several examples of this, what I'm talking about. Matter of fact, Jesus even said this, in order to live, you've got to, what? Die. It's a paradox. In order to live, that don't make sense, does it? In order to live, you've got to die. Another one is that God chooses to use imperfect, flawed, cracked pots. But the reason why God uses imperfect people is seen in the final words of our text when it says, it simply means to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not us. That's why I've got this treasure in me in an earthen vessel. And when you see good in me, you're seeing Jesus. When you see something that you like in me, you're seeing Jesus. It ain't all me. I know that's hard to believe. But it ain't all me. It's Christ living on the inside, right? It's Christ living on the inside. When you think about that, we, we have our own way or we have our own establishment, if you will, of, of pecking order in this world. We tend to place people in social levels based upon their wealth, based upon their education, and based upon their status. We think we know our place, if you will. And we have this unconsciously place that some people below us that we place there in a social order and some that we'll place above us in that social order. But can I tell you, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. Hallelujah. It's level at the foot of the cross. And I think it's part of God's sense of humor that he often chooses to use the most unlikely candidates to carry out his plan. You know what I'm talking about. I've come across folks, and you have too, where you look at them and say, there ain't no way that, that, that kid can do what he says he can do. There ain't no way they can do what they say they can do just by me looking at them. They don't look like all that. But can I tell you, there's some of the most brightest, most smartest, most educated people today that don't look like you. They may have hair everywhere. They may have earrings everywhere. They may have tattoos everywhere. Their clothes may be have holes in them everywhere. They may look dirty. But they're the highest paid individuals because of what they know and their knowledge of their skill that they use. And sometimes we look at them and we say, oh, they can't do that because of what we think we know or what we, we are, our, our imagination thinks it knows and all of those things. But God uses the most unlikeliest candidates to carry out his plan. Go all through the Bible, look at it. All through the Bible. There's a saying, you may have heard this saying before, it says, God can strike a mighty lick with a crooked stick. What is that talking about? This mighty God can use a frail, fragile, cracked people to accomplish his plans in this world. 
God calls all kinds of people, but he delights in using those that the world considers a little off or a little inferior. Matter of fact, you go back and do some research in the Bible, the earliest Christians were called what? Unlearned. They were called ignorant people. Unlearned people, but God used them to change the world. God used this ragtag bunch of believers to turn the world upside down. Paul wrote to the church in Corinth to remind them of the kind of people that God uses. And he said this in 1 Corinthians 1. He says, not many of you were wise by human standards. In other words, you were ignorant. We could put a little dialect on and said you were stupid, in other words. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were influential. Not many of you were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world and despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. Hallelujah. Say, Pastor, why don't you read that scripture? That ought to excite you right now. I'm made up of dirt. But God still can use me. I'm a cracked pot, but God still can use me. I may not be pleasing to you, but I'm pleasing to my Father. I may not do everything that you want me to do, but I'm pleasing to my Father this morning, amen. And God looks down upon me, and he changes me, and all he wants me to be is an open vessel and a cracked pot sometimes that he can fill in and make something good out of it. Look at your neighbor and say, he's talking about you, I think. I think he's talking about you. When you think about this, when you think about Billy Graham, Billy Graham was a humble guy, everything I knew about him anyway. And Billy Graham was never one of these guys that would boast about his accomplishments, but he had great accomplishments. Billy Graham was tall, he was handsome, he had a powerful distinctive kind of voice, if you will. He had those wavy hair and piercing eyes when he spoke. He was educated, he was sophisticated, and God used Billy Graham. We know that God mightily used Billy Graham. But here's the other thing I want you to understand. The same God who called and used Billy Graham in the 20th century also called and used an overweight, uneducated shoe salesman by the name of Dwight L. Moody in the 19th century. Moody, they said, had only a third grade education. And those who heard him reported that he murdered the English language. He was never ordained. He never attended seminary. But God used him in the late 1900s to shake two continents for Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, it was said that he pronounced the word Jerusalem in only one syllable. I don't know how you do that, but he pronounced it in one syllable. Once he was invited to speak to a group of educated clergy of England, he started his message by simply saying this, don't never think that God don't love you for he do. <laughs> now that ain't right. <laughs> and that ain't either. But God used him mightily. Moody was a crackpot. But he was an empty pot who had allowed God to fill him with the priceless treasure of Jesus Christ. Where's your heart today? How is your pot today? Are you allowing the Christ to come and fill your pot today? Matter of fact, what changed Moody's life, they said, was a guy by the name of Henry Varley. Many of you know this story. This is what was said by Henry Varley. He said this, It remains to be seen what God will do with a man who gives himself up wholly to him. 
When Moody heard that, it said it changed his life. It rationally, radically changed his life. And he said from that day on, he said, I'm going to be that man. I'm going to be that man. I'm going to allow God to fill me with whatever he wants to fill me with. How's your pot today? Matter of fact, even today, if you go to Chicago, Moody Bible Church is still there. Moody Publishing Company is still there. Moody Bible Institute is still there because he was a man that was willing to do something for Jesus Christ just by allowing his life to be opened up. Do you understand this third pot that I'm talking about here? We all believe that's cracked, right? Because you made the statement a while ago. It's a cracked pot. Do you understand a cracked pot reveals more of God's light in it than those that's not cracked? Now, if I was able to, and I'm not able to today, I, I guess I could have tried to do that, but I couldn't find my, a clay pot that I wanted. I could have cracked this one or maybe put some holes in it. We could have put some light down in it. We could have dimmed the lights this morning. And when the lights was dim, you could see more of the light shining out of it. <laughs> Moody was a cracked pot. We read that the same God who said, let there be light at creation is the same God who made his light to shine in our hearts today. A cracked pot will allow that light to be seen. Dr. Henry Ironside, he wrote this about this truth. He said, in order for a light to shine out of a vessel, it has to be broken. Hallelujah. In order for a light to shine out of a vessel, it's got to be broken. And one may know that all about the way of life and yet never communicate light to others because that somebody never has been broken. You never understand the word broken. You've never been broken before the Lord. You never allowed yourself to be broken. You've never allowed yourself to get outside and get out of the way so God can come in and fill your pot up. There's something to say about being broken before the Lord. Amen. What are you talking about, Pastor? Another illustration from the Old Testament. To talk to us about this in Judges 6, there's this guy by the name of Gideon. Sister Rains, an angel of the Lord, showed up to Gideon one day. He's threshing wine, uh, a wheat behind a wine press. The angel showed up and said, Hey, mighty man of valor. You can imagine Gideon was looking around. He swung his head around to see if he was talking to him or somebody else. And the angel told Gideon that God was going to use him to lead the Israelites to kick out the Midianite invaders. And Gideon basically said, oh, you've got the wrong guy. I belong to the weakest of the tribes here in Israel. My clan is the weakest of the weakest tribe. And besides that, I'm the weakest in the whole clan. I'm the runt of the litter. But God said, that's wonderful and that's great. You're exactly the kind of person that I want to use because I can fill your pot up. I don't know if there's anybody in the house today that you feel like you're the weakest among everybody. You're the poorest among everybody you don't know nothing among everybody but God said that's exactly the person I want to use today you may feel like you're the biggest crack pot in the house and God said that's good and that's fine I want to fill you up today if you'll just let me hallelujah you know the story Gideon gathered 32,000 soldiers together and God said that's too many if they win the battle, they'll think they did it in their own military strength. Gideon asked the question, anybody, any of y'all scared you want to go home? And a bunch of them left. Matter of fact, 22,000 left. He was left with 10,000. God said, that's still too many. They may think that they're responsible for victory, so let's trim it down again. 
And Gideon told the men to go down to a stream and drink water. And God said, every man that gets down and laps water on all fours like a dog, send him home. Keep only the ones who kneel and use their hand to drink the water. The Bible says 9,700 of the soldiers left and had to go home, and he was left with 300 soldiers against this mighty Midianite army. And God said, that's exactly what I need right there. (laughs) That way, he says, when you win against overpowering odds, they'll know that it's through my power. Understand this, we have this treasure in an earthen vessel. You don't have to tell me this, and I know I'm just being a little funny right here. I know I ain't much. I know I'm considered short among some folk. I didn't say you had to laugh. I'm gonna, let me just be the funny part here. I know to some I may be a little pudgy. <clears throat> I know to some that I murder sometimes the English language too. <laughs> I get it. I understand all that. But I have this treasure in an earthen vessel. <laughs> I have this treasure in an earthen vessel. And when my babies got sick when they was growing up, I was able to go lay hands on them and pray, God, heal my baby. When somebody calls to the church and say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I'm able to get down on my knees and enter into the Holy of Holies. This old earthen vessel, this old crack pot, I'm able to enter the Holy of Holies and say, Father, Father, heal my brother. Heal my sister. I have this treasure in an earthen vessel. It ain't mine, but it's mine through the Lord Jesus Christ. And I have it, Brother Mike. And it's available to me. And it's available to you as well. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Midianites, you know the rest of the story. He had 300 people. God's direction, Gideon's band waited until midnight. And they quietly surrounded the camp of the Midianites. Every soldier was given an empty clay jar and a torch and a trumpet. They placed the torch inside the clay jar. And at the given signal, all of the soldiers began to blow their trumpets. And they smashed their jars. And they shouted the sword of the Lord and for Gideon. And Midianites, at panic, they woke up at the sound of all of this noise and commotion and they begin to see the lights and they were so confused the Bible said they started fighting against one another and those who were not killed in the night they left and if I was to tell you that there were three elements that was required for victory this morning it would be this you've got to have boldness and you've got to have brokenness and you've got to have brightness in your light but for now let's notice that the light of the torches were not revealed until the clay chars were broken I come to to tell somebody that some of you need to get up at the midnight hour and break your jar before the presence of God so we can pour the oil and shine his light back in your life again. <laughs> Hallelujah. Message Bible in 2 Corinthians 4, 7 says this. If you only look at us, You might well miss the brightness. We carry this precious message around in unadorned clay pots of our ordinary lives. 
Why is that, Pastor? That's to prevent anybody from confusing God's incomparable power with us. So if you're a crackpot this morning, don't despair. You're all right. God delights in using crackpots. On the floor, this empty clay crackpot here. As I said earlier, if we had to put lights in it, we lowered the lights down, you could see the light coming out of it. Matter of fact, there's a story by J. Hudson Taylor, who they said was one of the first missionaries to take the gospel to China. They said about this guy that he suffered from extremely poor health, but God used him anyway. He was weak, he was plain, but he was an empty clay jar that God filled with the treasure of Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, he wrote one time, he said this, all of God's giants have been weak men who did great things for God simply because they reckoned on Christ living in them. Hudson Taylor was too humble to call himself a giant, although he was. But he understood the puzzling paradox of a mighty God who could use a broken, cracked, weak vessel. There's an old story, and I think I've even shared it with you before. Some of you know that I want to share again today. It's a beautiful fable from China that illustrates this. It said, once upon a time, there was an elderly Chinese woman who owned two large clay pots. She, could hang, she would hang each of those pots on each end of the pole, which she carried across her neck every day. Each day, she would walk from her house to a nearby stream, to fetch water and she would fill both of those pots. She would pick up the pole and she would walk back to her house but one of the pots had a crack in it while the other pot was perfect and always delivered a full pot of water. At the end of this long walk back to her house the crack pot always arrived only half full because of the crack. Half the water leaked out during the track. For full two years this happened every day. The Chinese woman arrived home with, with only one and a half pots of water. The perfect pot was so proud that it had never lost a drop of water. But the poor crack pot was ashamed of its imperfection. It was miserable. The crack pot thought of itself as a complete failure. One day, the crack pot was so tired of failing that it spoke to the woman and said, I'm ashamed of myself because this crack in my side causes water to leak out all the way back to your house. I failed you and I'm sorry. Maybe you need to replace me with another pot that's not cracked. The old woman smiled and said gently to the cracked pot, did you notice that there are flowers on your side of the path but not on the other side where the pot is not cracked? She said, I've always known about your flaw, and I planted flower seeds on your side. And every day as I've walked back, you've been watering those seeds. For the past two years, I've been able to pick flowers to decorate my table. Without you being just the way that you are, there would have never been no beautiful flowers to grace my home. Let me tell you something Brothers and sisters, men and women, boys and girls, it's okay if you're a cracked pot. We all have flaws. 
And like the jars, the clay jars that Gideon and his soldiers broke, there was a tremendous value in being broken. We throw things away that's broken. But God cherishes broken things. God uses broken things. How do you know that, Pastor? There's story after story in the Scriptures. Jesus took the loaves and the fish and he broke them. And he had to break them, Sister Mavis, before he could supply the need. The need was great, but he took the little bit, Brother Roger, that he had and he broke it. And he multiplied them. He wants to multiply yours and my effectiveness, but he can only do that when you allow him to break you. I'm not going to act like you, preacher. <laughs> I'm not going to act like that person comes up here and jumps up and down in church. That's just not me. I'm not saying you've got to act like me. I'm not saying you've got to act like that person that comes and jumps up and down or raises their hand and just all rejoicing for the goodness of God. I know we're all different. I get that. But this is what you need to understand. Whatever way God chooses to use you, then you need to allow Him to use you that way. If He wants you to come up here and throw your hands up in the air and just say, Father, I'm yours, then do it. If He wants you to jump up and down, then do it. If He wants you just to stand there and be quiet, and let your heart and soul flood, then do it. The point is, He looks at your heart, and are you allowing your pot to be broken before Him? Are you so full of other stuff that God has no way to get in? Jesus took the loaves and broke it. Mary brought the alabaster box of perfume in one day to the Lord. Sister Pat, she broke it. And it wasn't until she broke it that the fragrance filled the house, the Bible said. I thought about that scripture a lot this week. I said, Lord, break us today. Let your fragrance fill the house. Let your anointing and your aroma fill our hearts. Let it fill our lives, but it can only happen when we Allow God to break us. Matter of fact, Jesus even said, this is my body, which is broken for you. This is my body, which is broken for you. So broken down crackpots, we can rejoice today because God uses cracked pots so that he and he alone can get the glory. <laughs> that he can get the glory. Now don't get me wrong. And I think you'll understand what I'm saying. I appreciated last week that you said the nice things that you said. I appreciated, Brother Joe, the pats on the backs, the monetary gifts, the gift cards, and those things that you've done to honor Karen and I. But I want you to know something. I wouldn't be who I am today unless it was for the goodness of the Lord Jesus Christ.
It's him that gets the glory. It's he that gets the honor. It's he that I have to understand that, Father, I'm working for you. And I honor you. And I want you to be pleased with my worship. And that's what I was talking about earlier. Sometimes, Brother David, I, I have to fuss at myself because I say, listen, Pastor, you're not doing what you need to do. You're not living like you need to live. You allow the world sometimes to get in this head. You get aggravated and mad sometimes. We all get there. I'm just talking about me if that's all right. And I have to bring this body back under subjection daily, as Paul said, lest when I preach to others that I myself will become a castaway. You know, one of the saddest things I think, Dad, that for a minister, Brother Cup and other ministers, Brother Allen, if you're in the house, other ministers that's in here, you guys, you know what the saddest thing I think for us would be? For us to get before the Lord one day, and he says, I never knew you. Depart from me. I never knew you. And I said, Lord, I preached every Sunday morning. I laid hands on people every week. Do you understand that it's possible for your pastor to get up before you every Sunday morning and still miss heaven? Do you understand that? It's possible. But I got to keep this body under subjection. Samson shook himself. And Sister Sheena, he didn't even know and realize that the Holy Spirit and the power of God had left. Didn't know it. So, so does that mean for you and I as a child of God, does that mean that we can wake up one day and I can shake myself and, God, where are you? Yeah, that's what it means. It's exactly what it means. And I have to understand the fact that, God, I still need to, need to serve you. It's not about me. It's not about you. But it's all about the Lord. I may be a crackpot, but allow me and continue to be a crackpot so He can fill my life and He can allow the love and the light of the Lord Jesus Christ to shine forth in this world. I want you to stand all over this house. You say, Pastor, I'm going to join you in this altar this morning. Because I too am a crackpot. And I want God to move in my life as never before. I'm going to join you in this altar because I want God to move in my life as never before. Whoever you are, I want you to get out of your seat right now. I'm not going to come by and lay hands on you unless God gives me instruction to do so. But just as you as an individual, as a crackpot in the house today, could you come and say, Father, I want to continue to live in you. Fill my pot. Fill my pot today. Fill my pot, Lord. Let me be used by you. You ain't got to be like anybody else. You ain't got to be like anybody else, but be what God wants you to be. Be who God wants you to be today. Fill me, Lord. 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 Hallelujah. Fill us, Lord. Fill us, Lord. Fill us, oh God. Father, we want to be a crackpot before you. Fill us, Lord, we pray. Fill us, Lord.
Hallelujah. 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 Fill us, Lord. Fill us, Lord. Don't get in a hurry, church. God is wanting to fill some of you. God is wanting to fill some of you. Some of you that's in your seats, you need to examine yourself. You need to examine yourself. I'm not trying to beg you to come down, but I want you to examine yourself of where your life is with Christ. Fill us, Lord. Fill us, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. What song you got? What song you got? Do it again. The fast one. Okay, go ahead. Uh, Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Do it, Father. Fill us, Lord. Fill us, Lord. Fill us, Lord. Fill us, Lord. Still stands, great is your 
Come on, sing it once again. Is that your prayer? I surrender all to Jesus, my blessed Savior. I surrender all. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! I might not should say this, but I want to say it because it goes with what I'm talking about a little bit today. I want you as a church to look around just a little bit. I want you to see my heart just a little bit. And the reason I want you to look around and I want you to see people that's not here anymore that used to be here. And through situations, through circumstance, possibly difficulty, whatever the case, they're not here. I have the privilege, Sister Reigns, of standing up here every Sunday. And when I see pews and seats, not only do I see the seats, I see people that used to be sitting here that's not here no more. Marriages that's been dissolved. Families that's broken. Kids that used to run around in our church that's no longer running around on the, in the church, but they're running around on the street. You say, well, pastor, you need to be doing a better job. Well, maybe so. Maybe so. But what I'm saying to you is if we do not allow our pots to be broken, then Christ has nowhere to go. He can't come in. And the enemy is very sly, very sly. He'll use little, little bit at a time. Another thing I've noticed, Brother Cup, about the enemy, he's patient. He's more patient than we are. It's almost, and this is going to be comical to you, I had a snake out at my shop on the porch, front porch, that stayed there for days. I'd go out there every now and then, I'd move a piece of wood, and there he was. And I'd just let him alone. He was just a little grass snake. I'd just let him eat the bugs. Until one day, he finally got too big for me, and I had to take care of him, but he was still there. This morning, my granddaughter's here, and so she'll ask me, she said, Papa, I want to go out in the garage, and I want to see a frog. We've had a little frog in the garage for over a week now. Staying in the same place. I ain't messed with him. But I'll take Ella out there and we'll look at the little frog. What are you talking about? I'm saying the enemy, he ain't in a hurry. If he'll just use a little bit at a time, he'll stay there. You won't notice that he's there. I'm fixing to preach a second sermon to you. You're not going to notice that he's there. But until you get ready to uncover some hidden stuff in your life and all of a sudden he wags his little tail or he hops out in front of you. And my heart sometimes is saddened to the fact that I know people that used to be warriors for Christ. They're not in church today. 
not in church today. We blame whoever we want to, but the simple fact is this. Paul said, I've got to get me where it needs to be. I've got to take care of me where it needs to be. I can't preach to others unless I'm where it need, I need to be with Christ. You've got to get you where you need to be. Quit blaming your husband and your wife. Quit blaming your kids. Quit blaming everybody. Get me. Get you where it needs to be with the Lord. And all these other things, it'll work itself out. Be sold out for Him. Be sold out for Christ. Be sold out. Allow your pot to be filled every day. Allow it to be filled. Don't get so used or common to this world. Don't get so used to this world that you'd rather stay here instead of going to heaven. The place you're staying, it's temporary. The house you're staying in is temporary. There's another place that he's preparing for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, go with us today. Go with us today and all throughout this week. Fill us, Lord, full every day. Fill us full. Bless us, O oh God, as we come out and we come in. Show us the things that you need to see, that we need to see. Take us to those areas and places that we need to go. Let us follow after you as never before. Let us be in covenant with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you.